Welcome to the Everyday Guru Podcast with your hosts, Jared and Tiffany. Each week we interview everyday gurus who are full of wisdom, love, and laughter. Hope-filled stories that need to be shared with the world. We love receiving feedback. Please share, leave a review, or best of all, a voice message. If you find value in our podcast, please consider supporting us for as little as 99 cents a month by visiting anchor.fm forward slash everyday guru forward slash support. Hey, everybody. This is Jared, the everyday guru. I have with me Cal Suther. She is a business strategist, an award-winning author, and the CEO and founder of the Uncensored Society. How are you doing today? I am doing awesome. Thanks for having me here on your show. Awesome. Yeah, we talked for a little bit before, like half an hour before, and actually this is one of the few intros I didn't screw up. (laughs) 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 When you're comfortable, we don't screw up intros. That's awesome. So, (laughs) so, um... So, now I want to fuck that up. So, I will just cut it. (laughs) Uh, So, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Like, what made you want to form the Uncensored Society? Or how you became to found the Uncensored Society? Or a little bit about your background? Yeah, of course. Oh, God. Um, Let me tell you this. There was a lot of ups and downs until I got to this point. Um, But, um, really, I came from corporate world. Um, believe it or not, before I actually kind of went down and tried to pursue the entrepreneurial side and the business side of things, I actually worked as a police officer in London, UK, for six and a half years. Wow. Um, yeah. And again, I mean, I can tell you so many stories about that, but when I applied to become a police officer, it was a complete joke. I never thought I would get in. Yeah, it's right? really hard. I, I they had a, a YouTube video I watched, U.S. versus U.K. police. The training is so much more to get in. you got to do, like, what, four years and then, like, another year or two on a job being supervised, something like that? So you, you're, like, two years on probation, and then after two years of probation, then if you want to kind of um, go a different pathway, whether you want to become a detective or you know, join a different unit, then you can do that. But you need to be um, must have completed your two year probation, and even your two day um, two year probation, they give you it's a handbook, and you have to be competent and complete this handbook. Who your supervisor then has to sign off to say you are fully competent in doing certain these certain tasks. And then once that's been completed and you've done it within the two years, then you can move forward. Yeah. So in the UK, they call you Bobby, don't they? <laughs> Do you know what? It's funny because in the UK, we don't call each other Bobbies, but anyone that's outside of the UK call, call us Bobbies. Oh, so it's so, so like a... Uh... Oh, okay, I gotcha. I, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what was going with that train of thought. So the outsiders call you Bobbies. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. So what? What brought you on after you do? So you became a police officer. You did that for how many years? Oh, six and a half years. So then, so a long time. Yeah, yeah six. Yeah. I guess, I guess. I'll, I'll put the difference. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I guess six years, like I'm, I'm remembering my last 20 years and they flew by. So I'm like, ah, six years ain't too, too long. But yeah, it's a good, it's a good portion of your life. I'll give you that. Yeah. We'll, we'll split um, the difference. Well, 
I had to actually give it up because I had a health issue that came up. And so what had happened is one night I've gone to bed completely fine, no issues whatsoever, woke up the next morning, jumped into the shower. As soon as the hot water touched my skin, it was like my skin was on fire. So I had to jump out. Sorry? Oh, so I was just thinking neuropathy or something like that? Well, I didn't know. So I jumped out, went to the mirror, um, had a look at my entire body, came out in a rash overnight. No idea how that happened. And so um, I was rushed to the hospital, had all these tests and everything done to find out what was actually going on with me. And so as I sat in the consultation room and waited for my doctor to come in to give me the results, he walked in, looked straight at me and said to me, you were lucky you got here when you did. And so I was like, what do you mean? What's going on? And he was like, if you didn't get here when you did, your throat would have closed up. Wow. And at that point, I was like, holy crap. What if my throat closed up while I was asleep? I've never woken up to see the next day. Well, he told me, as I continued to ask him what was going on with me, how did this happen? He said this particular type of rash is brought on due to being overly stressed. Never heard of that. I didn't know. I've never heard of that either. But they always say that stress is a silent killer. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Absolutely. I mean, look at uh, how it aged our president, the last one we had. Not not the one before, but Obama. <laughs> oh, Obama. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I have to make a distinction here. <laughs> uh, the only thing that aids our last president, I don't want to be hated for this, but I don't care, is KFC. <laughs> that probably did a number on our last president more than anything else with too much KFC and junk food. Yeah, but Obama... Yeah, he really got aged by the four years. Oh, well, actually, eight years. I'm sorry, the eight years that he did because he had two terms. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and so when I found that, and I'm like, well, clearly what I'm doing right now isn't working. My body is overstressed. I never realized how stressed out it was. Um, and I guess like it was my my body, my mind, the emotion, everything. Because working as a police officer, you're never around anything positive is always a negative environment that's true yeah in fact i interviewed a police officer probably about a month or two ago yeah and uh, he was saying it's really 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 stressful i'm trying to think now my mind's drawing a blank but yeah he we basically did a podcast on basically how to cope with the mental stresses of uh being a police officer there's a tremendous amount of mental stress and police officers like a lot of other professions have a tendency to stuff it all in like they're robots, you know, or like right. real robots. Yeah. And we can't do that. Eventually it captures up to you. You know, if you don't deal with it, it becomes mental. I mean, not mental, it becomes physical rather. Yeah. Right. And so I didn't realize my body was going through all this internal turmoil and really stressed out until that point. And so then I figured, you know what, this isn't working for me and I need to make a drastic change because it's my life on the line. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can have a heart attack, sure. Right. So I quit my job, didn't have a plan B, had no idea what I was going to be doing. All I knew is that I had enough money to last me six months to figure this out. Yeah. And so what was so funny about this is the minute I quit my job, all of a sudden, all these doors of opportunities opened up. 
And I'm, sat, I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy crap, why didn't anyone just tell me I had to quit my job? <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> well, I would have done that years ago. Yeah, just just quit your <laughs> right. job and, and, and all these opportunities will come to you. Yeah, you know what? Right? Well, you know what they say, you know, like when you're stressed out and you're in turmoil, you know, you can't see stuff You clearly. You know what I mean? That's right. You're, so, you're kind yeah, of so definitely. wrapped up in your own little world. You know, and also energy attracts energy. They say like energy attracts like energy, you know? Yeah, definitely. And yeah. so what happened here was it was so ironic because I then entered into a realm where all these opportunities were coming to me and I don't know how this was happening, what was going on, but I loved it, right? <laughs> and so I quit this job as a police officer on a Friday. Come the following Tuesday... I was now working in politics. Ugh. I ended up, I know, politics. I know. I, <laughs> I know. It's, I, it's like we love to hate politics, right? Or hate to love it, right? Right. And so what happened is I went to an event that my friend was hosting in central London. And she goes, it was a Friday night. So the day that I, it was my last day at my job. That same night, she goes to me, come down, just mingle, talk. And I was like, I'm really not in the mood. I just quit my job. I'm done. I just want to just chill out at home. She was like, look, just come down. If you don't like it, then leave. So I'm like, okay. So I went down there, and it was all like bankers and accountants and all suited and booted. I'm like, this really isn't my scene, right? And so I did what most people do. I walked to the bar and ordered a drink. That was the first thing I did when I got in there. And so as I ordered my drink, um, this guy came up to me and started talking to me. And it was really strange because it wasn't a normal conversation. He was asking me what my qualifications are, what my experience are, where I've worked before, what I want to do. And it sounded like a job interview. And so I'm answering all these questions and I'm like, hold on a second, who are you? Right? Why are you asking yeah. me all these questions for? Got a and crush on you. Around, well, that's what I thought. <laughs> but the, the types of questions they were asking me didn't—it it didn't coincide to something like that. And so he goes to me, uh, "You would be great to join me on my team as a campaign manager." And he was actually a member of parliament. Oh wow! Yeah. So I'm like, okay, and, he, and it was during the elections, and he goes to me, I want you to be on my team as a campaign manager to help me in elections um, under Liberal Democrat. And so at that point, I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I've got nothing to lose. Why not? Yeah. Right? And so the following Tuesday after I quit my job, I then joined the team cool. to do politics. And so the biggest eye-opener when I joined politics was that, oh, my goodness. There's more criminals in politics than there are in prisons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I plead the fifth on that one. Plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I get myself so, in enough trouble, right? My mouth gives me enough trouble that I'm even trying. <laughs> uh, my parents always said I have a big mouth. They weren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh. so I was, I was kind of like, hmm. I didn't stay in there for too long because I was like, well, if, you know, being in a role as a police officer did what it did to me, what is politics going to do to my body? And so I was like, okay, after the elections were done, Liberal Democrat didn't get in, just like I told them they wouldn't get in. <laughs> um, and so I kind of left that job. And then after that happened, 
come two weeks later, I was then given another opportunity to join an events team. Um, I was the first uh, member to actually join the events team with this company and to help them grow their events internationally. And so I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. And so they told me a little bit more. And they told me the events that they do is a is business events. Okay, so they teach people on how to um, start a business, build a business online, digitally. And so I thought, okay, this sounds interesting. It could be something that I can also learn from, right? Right on. And, and so... As I kind of got more and more involved in this and started speaking to a few different people, they asked me to go to my very first live event. And I was like, okay, great. And they go to me, and it's in Malaysia. I'm like, okay, great. So when do you want me to go? They go, you need to start packing your bags now because you need to be in Malaysia in two days. Wow. Yeah, so I was like, what about my hotel? What about my, you know, food, travel, all that kind of stuff? And they're like, oh, no, don't worry about that. The company's sorting all of that out. Okay. <laughs> so I was at awesome. Like, I get, I, you know, my travel gets paid, my hotel gets paid, my food gets paid, and I get paid on top of it for my services. Like, mm-hmm. bonus. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, all right, I'll do that. And then I get to travel, and it's all paid for. Right, and then I started traveling all over the world, helping people with their events, um, and just traveling and making a difference, and just teaching and coaching people, and then it just all developed from there. Right, so now I knew how to, you know, manage event, became the events manager, then became um, someone that was so freaking awesome on the team, on the sales team, and was able to now gain sales for the company. And so as I went on and on and just learned about marketing, sales, finance, operation, like all these different elements that are so needed in business, um, I kind of got to the point, hold on a second, why don't I just build this for myself? Yeah, why not? And so, and so um, I realized that there's a gap in the industry. Now, there's a lot of different coaches out there, business coaches, however... Now, this is where the name Uncensored Society now comes from. So what I've realized is that there's a lot of people out there that do coach people. However, they, there's this thing that I believe in. It's called tough love. Yeah. I believe in making sure that I can produce results for my clients. And so there's a lot of coaches out there that are happy to take people's money Tell them that they'll get coached, but whether or not they is result based, they don't care as long as they've got the money. Exactly. And Here's so, what you do. Yeah. Exactly. Right. No, I agree with you. I don't want to take anybody's money unless, unless you know, I'm helping them out. I'm providing value. I'm enriching their life. Right. If I, if I'm not helping you and I'm not producing value and making you money, you know, you're not getting something out of it. Then we should just part ways as friends. Yeah, exactly. And so I decided to create Uncensored Society where it's application-based only, okay? So not everyone can get in. They need to have a conversation with me. And as long as you're someone that's determined, motivated, and actually going to be doing the work, 
to get the results because at the end of the day, I can coach you, I can support you, I can guide you and keep you accountable, but they're the ones that have to do the work. Right, and if exactly. you're someone that can do that, then I'm happy to bring you on. However, my coaching style now is very, very different. Like I said, I believe in tough love. And if I have to kick you up the backside, I will do. <laughs> right? <laughs> like I tell what um, people, you, just don't leave any marks, right? Then you're fine. CPS <laughs> won't come after you. I shouldn't say that. Man. I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble by saying that. But it's true, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, you need everybody needs a little mm. tough love. Just don't leave any marks, you know? Right. <laughs> and so I might leave some emotional marks because well, you might yeah. end up crying. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, hey, you know, some people need it. You know, we all we all need to kick up the backside every now and then in, in a gentle way, in a loving way. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, that's why it's called tough love, because what I've realized, I've had many coaches, mentors in my life, and it's because of that tough love It's because of that kick up the backside. It's because they've been raw, real and relentless and told me where I was going wrong and told me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear is why now I'm paying this forward and coaching my clients exactly the same way because the progress, the progress when you have someone like that around you, it's, it's like a speed of lightning. No, I agree. I have, I have in, in my um, six years of being on my entrepreneurial journey, I have learned so much more from those types of mentors and coaches than the mentors and coaches that tell me, pat me on my head and tell me life is going to be okay. Yeah, it doesn't get you anything. You know, people no. are so afraid. They're so afraid that I'm going to hurt your feelings. But, yeah, you may hurt oh your feelings short These term. These days people are so sensitive. <laughs> it drives me insane. It's like the world has become so sensitive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had people hang up on me. Because I told him, hey, look, there's no guarantee you probably lost your data or this is how much it's going to cost you. know, just hang right up on me. And I'm like, I'd rather them hang up on me than me sugarcoat it, give them a false sense of hope, and then be hated. In fact, I've had, you know, clients who have hung up on me, and then later on down the line, they're like, oh, thank you for being honest, you know? They're, or, well, there you go. Right, exactly, you know? They call me back, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that I hung up on you, or, you know, I talked to you like a week ago, and, you know hung up on you because I was mad and da 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 and then yeah it's like well hey you know and I've had a lot of people thank me for for being the you know tough love so right and you know what there's been certain people that I brought onto my program after I've had the conversation with me and been so good at telling me what I want to hear that I've brought them onto the program and then when we've gone through the program together they've not done what they're what they're supposed to have done they're not following the steps they're not taking any action and they're sitting there thinking that, you know, this is just going to happen to them. And no. I've had to turn around to those people and say, well, no, I can't have you in my program. Here's your refund. Goodbye. Wow. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah, because you're not going to get anything out of it. You're just going to be flustered, you know, banging your head against the wall. Exactly. And at the end of the day, you have paid me, hired me to help me with your business. And if you're not going to do what, you know, what your part is in building this business, then there's not much else I can do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah right? You got to put, you got to put the work in. To, right. And I'm not there to make someone do something. You got to do it off your own back. Mm, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's not so like I give, I give you, you give me money. I build your business. No, it doesn't work like that. 
No, it doesn't. No, definitely, I can I can build a business for you, but then it'll be my business because my face will be the one that's present, right? Exactly. For this business. If everyone hears me, sees me, then people think it's my business. So it'll no longer be your business anyway. Yeah, it's exactly. And then you're really no longer a business owner. You're an employee. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Pretty much. You know? Pretty much, yeah. Right. And so... Um, that's where I came up with the name Uncensored Society because it's the type of people I bring into a program. It's the type of coaching that I give to people. And that's why, you know, at the end of the program, people are so ecstatic because it builds a community of like-minded people, right? You can chat away with other people that are part of this um, program. You can also know that I'm going to be there to keep you accountable and let you know what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what needs to change, and I'm a very direct, open, transparent person. So if, you know, there's something not quite right, I'm always going to be there to tell you, okay, this isn't working. Let's do this. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Exactly. Yeah. But it isn't like that in most most um, most people in the industry. So that's where I'm trying to, you know, provide that movement and changing how people coach. And the great thing about the program also is because – you see how I coach um, people or yourself, then you can, as a coach or consultant yourself and building your own business, you can then, you know how to coach other people in your your um, business. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I don't know if you agree with me or not, but after just listening to you talk and thinking about my own experiences, I think especially, and just hearing other women and having them talk about their business experiences to me, that's kind of the way you got to be, especially with men, you know? Men like it direct, you know? Right. If, if, if you're really liberal and you're, I don't want to say, I hate to use the word feminist, which I'm probably going to be <laughs> shot down for saying that, you know what I mean? But you really got to be, you know what I'm saying? Men have that masculine energy, so you kind of got to reflect that back and be no nonsense. You know what I mean? Oh if, yeah, if, definitely. If, you know what I mean? If if I don't, I say it, and I don't want to mean it in a mean way, but if you're too girly, you know, and be like, you know, you, sometimes you got to be, you got to be the, you hate to say, but we got to be the man in the room, or 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 the strong woman feminist. I don't know. <laughs> and that's so funny that you say that because a lot of men, even though that they say they're like strong women. When they get handed one, they don't know how to deal with that person. Yeah, because yeah, because they're so. I think it's because they're so used to women being quiet, or or just you know what I'm saying, or sugarcoating stuff. So when they have one, it says, "Hey, you know," that acts like they're foreman. They're like they don't know what to do. They're like, "Oh my god," <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez, this is the real deal, right? Exactly. You need to quit saying that you want a strong woman. You want a strong woman. I want a strong woman. Well, then when you got one. Know what to do with that woman. Put <laughs> <laughs> it to work. <laughs> right? And if you don't know how to deal with that woman, that woman doesn't stick around. And clearly you don't know how to deal with someone like that. Yeah. You know? And so, um, but, so by the time I actually got to, you know, building this business, Uncensored Society and everything, there was so many ups and downs, as you know yourself, as an yeah. entrepreneur that there's going to be so many points in your life where you're going to be at your peak and then all of a sudden you feel like you're in the gutter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I have dealt with so many different adversities, especially coming from an Indian background. 
Now, you can imagine how my parents reacted when I told them I'm going to be a police officer. Right? Oh, my God. I know people on the force. Oh, my God. And their mothers. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. And my dad was like, no, from the beginning of that, no, no, you won't get in. It's not going to happen. They're not going to allow you in. And then when I got in, it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, you shouldn't be doing this, especially being, like, the only daughter in the family as well. I'd be the first one right? to hire you, actually, because... Think about it. If if I was a hiring manager, because you have that you know that diversity, and you know being a woman, I you know I think it'd be I think it'd be beneficial for the force actually. Because yeah, having that diversity, I think what, diversity is a good thing. Right, it is definitely. But what you don't see on this podcast or on Zoom anywhere is that I'm actually four foot eleven. Yeah, I, I could see where that would cause a problem if you have to go hands-on. That might be. However, but that's the thing, though. But here's the thing. Now, but wait. Wait for it. Okay. So I know through other countries, especially like um, in the U.K., it's more they, they stress more verbal judo. You know what I mean? Like talking. Yeah. Things, I, know, I know you can't do that with every criminal, you know. You can't, if somebody's putting a gun to your head, you can't say, well, let's talk about this, you know. Please lower your gun. No, I mean, I go down like that. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the situation. Well, yeah. However, I and I'm not saying that all, you know, police officers don't do this in the U.S. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them do obviously use verbal judo. But I found, like, because you have such an extensive training, it's more likely to be practiced and remembered. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if somebody beats something through your head, they beat it and enough, it's going to be memorized. You know what I mean? Right. It's going to become muscle yeah. memory. Where in the U.S., maybe it could be a bigger country. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think a lot of it is because we don't have a unified um, training, you know what I mean, for police officers. You know, every little, every county, every state does their own thing. And I think that needs to be more unified. I think that would help. But, yeah, other countries, as far as policing goes, Oh my God, I think they're way more ahead. And that's not a detriment to the individual officer. You know, it's not their fault. You know, they, a lot of them ask for training as well. You know, they want the training. It's just with, you know, the police budgets being limited in a lot of places and just, you know. Do you know what's funny is that uh, may, maybe in the UK we get more training because we, we don't carry guns. That could be too. Yeah. Right. And so we need to be aware of how to defend ourselves if we come across anyone where we, we need to do that. But yet all we have is a CS spray, a baton, handcuffs and ourselves. Yeah, I noticed that. Exactly. I noticed that. But you guys don't have nearly as many guns floating around, too. No, of course not. I mean, you know, it's completely illegal in the country. Right. No one's allowed to have guns, not even the police officers. Yeah, and people think, well, and I know people think, well, it's unrealistic in the U.S. because the U.S. has all these guns. You'll never get rid of them all. You know, the ones that are hidden. And, of course, you know, you got, you know, the people who are really, really pro-Second Amendment. They're not going to give up. You know, they'll die before they give up their guns, you know, or so they say. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just a total different society, um, U.K. versus, you know, America, you know? Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, what I find is a lot of police officers towards the end, when I kind of quit the force, a lot of people were actually quitting and trying to find a different route to take because it just got so political. And then we had a prime minister called Theresa May and she completely wrecked the entire police force and a lot of people weren't happy. Um, yeah. 
And so there was a lot, a lot of changes. People, it, it wasn't seen as, you know, okay, I want to be a police officer because it's great, you're giving back to the community, you're, you're working with the community, making it a better place. It became a place that people were walking into every day and they didn't want to be there. Yeah, same like America. No different here. Mm. No different and here. The transition from being a police officer to then building your own business is a huge leap. Oh, yeah. And yeah. what was really funny was I remember when I started my um, the events with this company, um, I still had my police stance. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so I will stand there with my hands in front of me, crossed on my hands behind me, and I'll have this police stance, and people will be like, okay, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're standing there like a police officer. I'm like, am I? I didn't even realize I was doing it. They were like, if you keep standing there like a police officer, no one's, you're not going to be approachable. No one's going to want to come and speak to you. But I didn't realize that was a habit that I created, yeah. right? And so when you do kind of create these habits in, you know, the corporate world and in whatever industry you're in, it does actually carry through. And then being aware and being able to change those habits to fit where you are now you know, is a transition and it does take time. And oh, apparently absolutely. I have to even laser down the entire room with my eyes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. I, well, and the thing is, it's like when I was talking with that other police officer, you know, always, you know, always having to be on guard, like not trusting. It's, it's hard to break that habit. You know, every think everybody's a threat because you're used to being in an environment where anybody could be. You know, you got to be uh, kind of on guard, you know, on a police officer, aware of your surroundings. But unfortunately, it's, it's kind of like the armed forces, too. Same way. You know, I, I tell people in a nice way, it's like they brainwash you so that you can survive and so that you can be effective at your job, et cetera, et cetera. But once you're done with that job, they don't deprogram you. Right. That's it. That's down to you to do. Right. Yeah, right. It's not up to them anymore. And so it took a lot of time. I remember when I was talking to people, um, and a lot of people were turning around and say to me, damn, is this an interrogation? Right? And I, again, yeah. I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of a sudden, I'm not having conversations. It's like I'm in the interrogation room and, you know, treating everyone that comes in front of me, uh, you know, as a criminal. Yep. And it, it's because of you know your daily life as a police officer you right. know that's what you're doing daily is interrogating people as criminals because that's what you're dealing with on a daily basis you know there you and, go. and criminals you know they lie you know what i mean it's not like, oh, can you, <laughs> yeah. you know can you please tell the truth you know what i mean you can't and all of a sudden they're gonna don't no. no you 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 gotta you know what are you going to so, do? You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. But then it does take a lot of work to actually kind of change those habits to make it fit for what you're doing now. But having those people around you to tell you where you're going wrong is so freaking essential for your personal development. Oh, absolutely. So, so essential. Um, and I was so glad that I was then put in an environment where it was all about business. It was all about, you know, connecting with people, building relationships. And 
how to, you know, build a business. And I was actually being able to speak to these gurus, expert speakers that were going on stage that have built multi-million dollar companies and kind of learning off of them. So all of a sudden I've gone from being around police officers, being one myself in negativity to now being around all these CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, and actually learning how this works in real life. Because what's so funny is when I was in college, I actually studied business studies, right? Mm -hmm. But what they teach you in college or in uni or in school is nothing like what's actually needed in the real world. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's all it's all theory. It's all books. But the, the environment changes so rapidly in business. Oh, it does. Definitely. And you know what? Networking, building connections, being able to build relationships is the number one thing that you definitely need when you're in business. Without sure. any of those things, then you're not going to be able to progress. Why? Because what people need to realize is when people build their businesses, that they've not done it on their own. No. Right? They've had a team of people that they've eventually been able to hire. They've had, you know, partnerships, sponsors. There's been so many people that have actually been involved in helping them start the business and grow their business. And that all has to do with building relationships. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. When people turn around and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to build a business. I'm going to do it all, all myself, single-handedly. And I'm like, yeah, well, good luck to you. That will never happen, right? Isn't that, in the history of business, I've never heard of anyone that's actually been able to start a business, build a business and do it all themselves. Yeah, I mean, you have solopreneurs, but even if they have a team backing them, and yeah. if you don't have a team, you know, if you don't, you're, 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 gonna, you're just going to end up... Um, you know, hitting a, a ceiling with, exactly. with, with one you're person, you're going to hit a ceiling. So yeah, you may be the CEO, but you have people behind the background. Even, even solopreneurs, a lot of times will have virtual assistants. They'll have a secretary. They'll have some type of help, you know, otherwise you Definitely. hit a ceiling because at some point you can only make so much money. I don't care. Even if you're investing in Bitcoin, you're doing that. You can only work in, even if you automate everything, there's still that ceiling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, doing it on your own is not smart business. No. Right? Because no. why would you want to then deal with all these different tasks where you can hire someone else to do it while you think about the important stuff? Right, right? Exactly. It's not being productive of your time. No, and I agree. as a CEO, entrepreneur, business owner, you need to be able to differentiate what is productive and what isn't productive for you. Oh, right? exactly. Where does your skills sit? in this business in order for it to grow rather than you filling out, you know, spreadsheets or sending emails, doing all the admin. That's not productive as a CEO. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I agree. Totally but a agree. lot of people don't, don't actually realize that and feel that they can do it all on their own. No, you can't. Every, huge everybody needs help. Everybody. I don't care who you are. You know, right. you all need help. Especially in today's society, all the crap that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's Superman in today's society, let me tell you. No. And then on top of that, they also need to realize that they need to adapt. Right? Adapt to change. Welcome change into your business, into your life. I mean, the biggest change that we've had worldwide is this pandemic. 
Yep. All right, and there was no one that can stop it. It was out there. It's gonna happen. And how many businesses have failed because they were not able to change and pivot? Oh yeah. Right. There's so many businesses that uh, rely on the old school way of business, and they weren't able to get on to the digital side of business because that's where it's all headed. It's all online. And because they weren't able to change, they weren't able to pivot, it was those businesses that lost everything. Yep. But then, then you had someone like Amazon, right? Because they were all online, that, that Amazon made more money during the pandemic than any other business. Yep, I believe it. You know? And it was because, I guess, they were creative. They were, you know, they kind of created this online store where you can buy practically anything, you know, order it, pay for it, deliver it to you, that these brick and mortar businesses on the high street were not able to do or convert or pivot or change into. Yep. Well, not only that, too, because they're all online, it's not, believe it or not, and you know this already, I'm sure, Amazon.com, the actual Amazon.com, that, that's peanuts. Yeah. They make peanuts. That's not their main business. Their main business is cloud services. You know, oh, adver- yeah. advertising and that, stuff like that. So yeah. many, People think of so Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've sorry. got so many branches. Yeah. There's so many things that, that they're involved in. Um, yeah, and cloud services is the biggest one. But they didn't start from there. No. No, they start selling books and then they moved on. Yeah. There you go. Right? Because they were creative. They were able to think outside the box, see where the world was headed and able to put things into place in order to adapt with the world. Because that's what we need to do. We need to be able to adapt to the world because the world will not adapt to us. Oh, absolutely. Um, They had an interview with them about how... uh... You know, Amazon was bleeding money, and people were like, well, wh- why are people still investing in your company? Because it's bleeding money. And the guys, the CEO was like, because people see where this is headed. You know what I mean? There so they're more go. than happy to feed it, you know? And, yeah, and uh, <laughs> it took just a pandemic to, to <laughs> have people see this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, no, no. This was, this was, early, this was an early uh, Benzos interview. When it first started up, remember when Amazon was bleeding money, hand and fist? And, I don't and, know, and pe- no. I oh, yeah, Amazon, when it first opened up, oh, yeah, they were bleeding money, and people were pouring money to investors, and, and you know, these journalists were like, all these skeptics were like, well, why, you know, why are people still feeding your business, blah, 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 you're not making any money yet, and, and Ben, this was frank. Well, like, you know what, that just, just goes to show how much he believed in this vision he had. Mm-hmm. Right? No one else did because of bleeding money. He well, the, they, though the journalists didn't believe it, they they were like, "Why are people still feeding it?" They couldn't believe it. People, were, but the investors, a lot of investors saw it, and they're like, "We know this is how the world's going to go. We know this is, we see the, the the pivot. We we know this is going to be the next best thing." So they kept giving them money, giving them money, and the people who did, the people who invested, <laughs> they're all you know the big ones. They're all millionaires, <laughs> and you know what I mean, and billionaires probably uh, you know now. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean. Yeah, journalists can say what they want. What do they know about business, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them, some of them probably do, obviously. But yeah, you're right, exactly. Yeah, and, so, and they're and I they're mean, reporting what they're told to report on, and they have their own opinions. But like you know, opinions are like you know, doesn't mean they're right, you know. No, but 
Jeff Bezos could have quit. He could have quit and be like, no, I'm not putting no more money into this because it's bleeding me dry and just quit. That's what most people do in business, mm-hmm. right? But instead, he kept going out because he believed in his vision. There was other people that believed in his vision too because they were able to think outside the box and see his vision, mm-hmm. see where the world is going to. Yep. But no one else that was able to do that was telling him something completely different. And he could have listened, but he didn't. No, he stuck right? to his because, guns. Right, because look at the people that were telling him that, why are you still doing this? It's bleeding you dry. Why, why do you keep putting money into it? What people need to realize is the difference between advice and an opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I came to you, for example, and I started asking you, um, you know, about makeup, ask you about makeup. So, what makeup do you think? Do you think Matt? Do you think Bobby Brown? Do you think L'Oreal? And do you think I should use this eyeshadow and use this mascara, or do you think I should? You wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Or you can tell me, oh, well, maybe that mascara, maybe that color, that eyeshadow will go with that lipstick. Or maybe, right? But what that is, is just your opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not advice because you're not an expert in that area. Yeah. But if I came to you and asked you about IT. Yeah, I mean, I, would, I have my opinions and I also have stuff that I can back up with facts. But at the end of the day, what I tell people is like, trust the numbers. That's the best advice that I got from, you know, from, I think it was from Bendos is trust the numbers. Uh, the CEO that I know that, that, um, the, the CEO of deep Sentinel, he's the one that, um, Oh, I think he worked, he worked with Benzos doing, he, he did like the early advertising, like the early advertising on their homepage. He was in charge of that. And, uh, he was met with skepticism in the in the boardroom, I believe. I'm remembering the story correctly. I'm so horrible at remembering stories, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know. But but at the end of the day, Benzos believed in him because he's like trust the numbers. He's showing you know he's showing the numbers. He's you know they look promising. He knows what he's talking about. And um, then I think he was offered like a lot of money to stay at Amazon, but he left and he found a deep sentinel, which is the the company that I have that uses live guards and cameras to you know, detect and deter crime. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I mean, so what I was getting at was the fact that, um, yeah. So if, if you're an expert in that field, then it would be an opinion. If you are an expert in the field, then it's advice. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. No, I agree. Right. So when people have a business and your mom and your dad says, Oh, you, you should do this and do this and do this. And it's like, hold on a second. Have they ever owned a business? Have they ever built a business? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No. No. So how can you then turn and say, this is what I should be doing in my business? Hello. That then is an opinion, right? Well, that's why why I tell people there's several memes about it, you know, only take advice or or opinions to people who matter, like, Right. If, if their opinion matters, then, 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 you know what I'm saying, then take with it and roll with it. But if they have nothing to back it up, then, you know, take it with a grain of salt, right? Make sure they have the credentials and, the, you know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. So that's what's really funny to me when people um, kind of, you know, starting their business, building it, and they said, oh, yeah, my brother said I should be doing this and this and this. Oh, and my auntie told me that I should be doing it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I hear that all the time and in the I, IT field, you know. People are like, well, <laughs> my friend. Yeah, and what qualifications do your friend have? 
Right. Yeah. What experience? Have they actually done it for anybody? Yeah, right. You exactly. <laughs> Have they even done it for themselves? Right. So you got to be very, very careful as to, you know, whose opinion, whose advice you're going to be taking. In my opinion, do not take anyone's opinion on board. Make sure it's advice. Make sure that it's something that they're skilled in, they're an expert in, that they've done for themselves and done for other people. Right. And like I always tell people, trust the data. The data is not going to lie, you know? Right. It, you know, yeah, numbers. Right, exactly. You can be a numbers trust person the numbers. Exactly. Yeah, because at the end of the day, people can give me all the advice, all the opinions they want, but at the end of the day, the data is going to point you in the right direction. You know, whether it be that's with, right with Bitcoin, whether it be just trading, whatever. You know, um, at the Definitely. end of the day, yeah, trust the numbers. <laughs> yeah, and if you tell me, oh my god, I'm no good with numbers. I've never been good with numbers. I'm really bad at maths. Well, then don't be in business. Go get yourself a nine-to-five job. Right, exactly. Oh, well, you know, I'm not there to do that. Just hire an accountant. You don't have to do everything. You know, if you have the idea and you're good at pitching people and you networking, hey, you can still be the CEO, but I always say hire people in your weak spots. If you know, because I know I have these weak spots, okay, that's when you hire experts. And in, you know what I'm saying? Because the CEO, think about it, they're not an expert in everything. They're they're good at organizing people, getting them together, you know, pitching, whatever. They have a certain skill set, but they don't have to necessarily be good at numbers, you know. Hire somebody yeah, who so is. When I when I mean you got to be um, good at numbers, I mm-hmm. don't mean you got to physically do oh, your okay. own bookkeeping or accounting. But what I'm saying is that you got to understand what data is being said to you. You got to be able to read numbers. Oh yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to because when it comes to conversion, when it comes to leads, when it comes to sales, when it comes to budgeting, all of that is all numbers. Business is all numbers. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got to be able to read numbers, read data, see where you're going wrong, and then fix it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep, exactly. Yep. And that's why you have that's yeah. why you have business management. That's why they have courses in it, you know? Right. Online courses. And, you know? and so if you don't like numbers, if you don't <laughs> mean to learn numbers, right, <laughs> right? Then don't go into business. We're so true, so true. So where, where can people find you at there? I don't want to, you know, kind of wrap it up there, you know, you know, cut you loose. Yeah. And uh, so where can people find you at to uh, learn more about your business and learn more about you and possibly, uh, you know, hire you? Okay. So first of all, if it's okay with you, Jared, I would yeah, sure. love to give your audience a gift. Cool. That'd absolutely. Be okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's a free yeah. gift. Yeah, nice. um, and so what I've got, I've got a mini program, which you can find on my website on www.uncensoredsociety.com. And I'm sure you're going to put all these details on the show notes, Jared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go onto my website, there's a mini course, and it is about um, being productive versus being busy. And what this will do is actually give you worksheets, and there's also a video from me that will explain how to use this. But it will give you an idea of where you want to be, so your long-term goals and your short-term goals and help you identify where you're putting your priorities in life right now and where they should be. Are you watching, you know, TV six hours a day, right? And if you are, then maybe you need to change your priorities, right? And if you want to build that business and say you're just starting your business and, you know, you're wearing all the hats and trying to do all this stuff and you're telling yourself you don't have time, 
then when you start using these worksheets and you listen to my video, you'll be able to see where you can make those changes. And this is going to be the first step of going down your entrepreneurial journey. And so if you sign up for that completely free on my website, you can get started. And the other great thing is once you have signed up for that, you'll then be able to join my Facebook community where you'll be able to get further support, further guidance, and get accountability from me. If you have any questions about your business, um, then please shoot me a message on the group, and I'll be happy to answer. It'll be me or my team that'll be answering that for you, but it's there to help you build and grow your business. So you awesome. can find me on my website and the Facebook group. You'll be able to communicate with me there. The Facebook group... Um, again, that will be a link in the show notes, but it is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Uncensored Society. Nice. Well, the pleasure speaking to you, Cal. Yeah, you too. Definitely. Um, it's been it's been an emotional journey, Jared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> sounds like it, yeah. No, I think that's awesome. what the... Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Not because you're boring. It's just uh, mid midday slump, right? <laughs> mid morning slump. Yeah. No, it was good right. talking to you. Yeah, and I and I'm sure we'll talk around the corner. Definitely. Thank you for inviting me and being a guest on your show. It was amazing. Yeah, definitely. Good talking to you. Have a good day. You too. Bye.